Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome to the stage right now your winner of the 2019 Fight Boys Prediction Series. Pachoo, 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 it's Blake Tanner by nine and a half fucking points. I did it, Mom. I finally did it. I I toppled him. I toppled the Dylan. It was me. <laughs> it was me. It wasn't you, Scotty. Fuck you. By the way, uh, but. By the way, I want you to know, Blake, there will forever be an asterisk next to this. <laughs> Whatever, the like, word the word corona, we're going to put the word corona by it. Yeah, we're not going to put virus, just corona, and you're going to know. No, we're just going to put rona. We're not even going to The rona. The rona. <laughs> but for now, Blake, would you like to announce who we are donating all of this almost $100 of fat cash to? So, because this, this whole thing has an asterisk next to it, um... I think I'm that, being honest with you. Yeah. Well, uh, so am I. The, the um, reason you won by nine and a half uh, by nine and a half points is I didn't have the other two shows to go with, so I had to make stupid predictions. Uh, I uh, found um, something called the the Century Foundation, and they uh, take donations at, towards and uh, give money towards those uh, on unemployment. So. <laughs> <laughs> Blake, you could have just asked Dylan for the money. You didn't have to. You could have just been like, give it to me. So really, I'm just saying, Dylan, just keep the money. Welcome to Fight Boys, it's a show about professional and not-so-professional wrestling. I am your host, the Spielberg of cinematic wrestling, Scotty Moore. I'm the winner, Blake Tanner. <laughs> I'm, I'm once again disappointed after WrestleMania. Dylan's like, I'm the one getting the money. <laughs> after It's like dodgeball. Dylan just dodgeballed himself. Because I may have lost. I may have lost, but the cash is coming back, baby. Wait a minute. How many how many WrestleManias have you been disappointed in, Dylan? Um All of them after 30? I genuinely thought Dylan was about to do like fucking Yakko Warner and just like do a listing of all of the disappointing moments to songs. <laughs> Here's the thing. I became I, no for for real. It was so thirty one was, was where it started because thirty one was where you had the Zack Ryder Intercontinental. No, no, thirty one was where you had. Uh, uh that was th- the end of thirty one. I believe was the uh, Seth cash in, which is where they were like, no one's gonna be happy with either of these results. So let's just throw Seth at right, them. Right, but 30, 30, that yeah, but that was also the one where Sting lost to Triple H. But Rusev did have a tank. Yeah, oh yeah, Rusev lost his undefeated strength to John Cena. Uh-huh. After he came out on a tank. After he came out on a tank. Zack Ryder got his Intercontinental, that was 30, no, that was the next year. Sorry, um, that was... Yeah, that was Dallas, and it was entirely because a picture went viral of him with uh, Scott Hall with the title, and they were like, let's give him the title, and then the very next day, taking the fuck away. Yeah, so, yeah, that was where it all started to go downhill, was at 31. Um, at the Sting match, that was where it happened. It briefly got better, Yeah, because there was the cash-in, 
But then every mania since then, just down and down and down. And then we got to this year, and like... I'll argue a very... I got a good case for this being the best mania since 30. I really do. I want to give some support before we hear that, because... I do remember, since from WrestleMania 30 onward, I started getting progressively more and more drunk with each concurrent WrestleMania, successive WrestleMania. So, with every WrestleMania, I started drinking more, which means it was worse. So, okay, so here's the thing, Scotty. I know what you're about to say about this being a good WrestleMania. I also want you to know that I would really hope, with pre-shots and editing and reshoots... That they could put together something that wasn't complete dog shit. Yeah, but it's still, like, you can't argue the point against it, though, because you're still saying it's a good show. It was a good show is what it was. Because... It was a, it was a, it was a, it wasn't wrestling. No, other than Edge and Orton, which we'll get into that shit, uh, Firefly Funhouse and then, um... Uh, boneyard match. Everything was just fucking wrestling. The only spot- yeah, and none of it was that. I'm so- oh, we're gonna get into. Remember, there was basically every championship match. Yeah. Well, the only spot that really I think argued you needed multiple takes of was, or not multiple takes, but like you know some secret shit going on behind the scenes was KO jumping off the top of the mania sign other than that there wasn't really anything that seemed pre-taped outside of maybe John Morrison fucking rope walking and then hitting a Spanish fly other than that it all just seemed like watching wrestling it still wasn't that good it was okay compared compared to what we've had in the past it was good because no 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 that that's n- that 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 bar is literally buried 2 feet underground you can just shut the fuck up with compared to what we normally have but i'm still saying it's fucking good comparatively that's what i'm saying and it was a good fucking show ladder match was no the killing. only good parts of it weren't wrestling they were television the ko seth match fucking phenomenal and other there's than- one good match at every mania other than that one spot dylan th- look we can't just keep saying that you think it was a shitty show otherwise this this is gonna be a review that's useless we just have to talk about the i'm fucking I'm, show. I'm arguing no i li- i literally just said that the the only things that were my argument is that the only things that work with the exception of one match which i am also saying every mania has one good match okay R- hold on Rhea Charlotte. Rhea Charlotte was fucking good because it was. Yeah, and then they cut Rhea's legs off by having Charlotte once again be a champion. I'm fine with that because A, they couldn't use Rhea because Rhea's fucking having to go back to Australia. So they. Yeah, she's still here. Yeah, but she's going to have to go back and she wasn't available for the tapings, meaning you have to give it to Charlotte. And how do you do that? making charlotte prove her dominance and let Rhea do what she does best and that sell like a fucking champion she made charlotte look like a sociopath in that match i understand extenuating circumstances but here's also the thing um you could have had her just win and then have to drop it for complications remember when oscar had to just drop the title you remember that how they didn't just 
punk her out to somebody. You- oh, you mean like how they punked her out to Charlotte at WrestleMania? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm seeing a pattern here. See, so all you've really proven is that Rhea and NXT cannot hang with their main brand. They proved, they proved that at Survivor Series. They, they proved that they could do it in a six-on-one numbers game advantage. This proves one, one-on-one, like... The future versus the queen. No, can't do it. Fucking, like, can't can't pull it off. Re after doing all these things, multiple matches. There was that fucking sweet war games match. Like, there was the Survivor Series, and then one on one, Charlotte win. Charlotte always win. Charlotte is like female John Cena. Exactly. And if she, okay, say you have John that's, Cena. That's not a good thing. No, you can't say. No, say you have John Cena go against Velveteen fucking Dream. John Cena needs to win that match because he's seasoned and he's proven. And throughout it, it's showing growth in Velveteen Dream's character that he has to try to build up. If you keep having all these NXT people be dominant, there's no use in the main roster. And it's already improved NXT because guess what? They beat AEW in the rankings this week. Like 100%. Charlotte winning is what needed to happen because A, when Rhea comes back, She's going to go straight for whoever has that title. And she showed that she could be like p- go through hell itself. Because Charlotte put her through hell in that match. Like, yes, uh, FMA in chat said he didn't like, or they didn't like that Rhea tapped out. Rhea had to tap out or her leg would be broken right now. That was the point of do that you, match. You, you, I'm pretty sure people would have preferred like, a, like an Austin, like Brett finish over that. Yeah, I mean, but I I don't know. Because, like, here's the weird thing about Rhea, though, is the fact that Rhea looks like she should dominate. Rhea looks like a dominating person, but she sells so good that it takes her from being a stone-cold Steve Austin ass-kicker to almost a Shawn Michaels badass, just badass in appearance, but outside of that she's just kind of like just good at selling Shawn michaels is a legend in this business but it's not because he won a lot it's just because he a stuck around long enough and b was a badass at doing good matches but it didn't mean he have to win every matches and he and she did come out like vegeta <laughs> so yeah that's fine hey Shaq, how's it going yeah <laughs> no no i'm not they're not letting me talk on this one so i just wanted to see how you were doing uh, yeah, yeah, man, that's, that's great, uh, it's good, oh, hold on, I think they stopped, yeah, alright, yeah, I'll talk to you later, bye. Um, so Gazi brings up in chat <laughs> the fact that, uh, someone passing out in a figure four is kind of ridiculous, uh, it is outside of pain, although, to be fair, the sharpshooter is pretty much- If, although, if, if they knew, since they had a good idea that they knew that her work visa was going to expire- which, by the way, how does WWE let someone's work visa expire? So one of their champions' <laughs> yeah. work visa expired. That's You're a, a billionaire. S- you can't bribe someone to just like, give her another six months until this corona shit. You can't do anything. It's the laziest fucking... That's another reason why I don't like this match. Is because, like, yeah, sure, she was sticking around and was building a storyline. It's the fact that it is literally 100% due to the fact that she's not available... For stupid reasons. Not even valid reasons. That's why I'm saying, like, if you... That's when when you should have, like, a competitor, like, gimmick a serious injury to end the match. She should have had her fucking leg broken. Because she would have taken it like a fucking monster. And she would have hobbled the fuck back under her own weight. And it would have looked cool as hell. 
I I can't speak on because I didn't watch it live if I if I thought WrestleMania was good or not. I just do know that this is the first WrestleMania in a long time that I've had almost no motivation to care about. Well, see, here's the thing, and this might be the first time in a long time I've agreed with the the musings of old Uncle Allen, Uncle AJ Styles, but he was talking about Mania and he goes, "What we want to do is make people feel like a kid again." for WrestleMania. And yeah, 100%, that is how I felt watching Mania, is, yes, were there rough matches? Yeah, but I didn't go into it expecting any of it to be good. So I would I would be looking down at my phone, and then I'd look up during, like, Rollins and Kevin and be like, oh, fuck, this is good. Because the beauty of the Rollins-Kevin match for me was surprisingly Seth. I even tweeted out, like, this match got me back on my Seth Rollins bullshit. Because the best way, and uh, this is a bad comparison because I've never fucking seen Game of Thrones, but it was like a brutal fight scene from, like, a Game of Thrones versus a wrestling match. Because you had Seth with, like, a steel chair screaming down at Kevin, like, this is what you wanted, Kevin! Is this what you want? And it was uncomfortable to watch but in a very good way and like and it was really cool when kevin did stick his fingers into Seth's eyes and then just make his head pop like a grape so yeah whenever you guys finish that talk i do i i, I distilled what i i didn't like about it like I, I figured it out so okay dylan's back now after even more audio issues because no one wants us to record this ep- I think Vince himself is like, no, they're insulting the Dangaria match where my my precious girl went over. We can't have them play it. It's like, listen, I just had to cancel f- the fucking football today. I can't go through all this again. I let fucking IRS's kid turn me into a fucking puppet. I'm not about to deal with this bullshit. So here's the here's the thing. Uh, or two things. So, like, regarding that. So wait, Charlotte wait, wait. Now- this is it. This is the last thing we're saying about Rip- Ripley and Charlotte. <laughs> right, right, right. No, no, no. This is just Charlotte. So she's up to 12 reigns now, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you know how how long, on average, each of her reigns is? Like uh, five days? 75. Okay. If you're rounding up. Yeah. So, like, I think part of the reason why I don't like it is, like, yes, Charlotte is a, a really good performer. Like, Charlotte... Like, absolutely deserves to be successful. Charlotte does not deserve to have 12 rates. (laughs) And, like, at a certain point, like, I know this one will help her overall average because fuck she... Like, unless she's losing it to... Oh, no, she's going to beat EO. She's going to beat heel EO. That's also why I'm unhappy. Uh, I have more information. But, yeah, no, it it feels like stat padding. Like, this woman has so many like. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, we talked about it last week. Charlotte is now fully embracing the whole women's revolution concept of do everything, make everything first. Just do all the big firsts. First main roster person to hold an NXT title. First uh, woman to cash. Like, she, yeah, I understand. Charlotte's the fucking worst because she's trying to do all of the first for herself. I'm sure she would have ran in on that match in Saudi Arabia if she wouldn't have got shot. But like, it, yeah, also no, it, it reminds well, me. Well, it's, it's a matter of it's a matter of like how much is it her? How much is it corporate pushing on her? How receptive? Like, the, the, there's a lot of things you don't know. So I'm not going to say it's her fault, but I'm saying what they're putting forward 
cannot be seen as positive, like, if you, like, look at a bigger picture. From, like, a fucking casual fan, I'm sure they're all just like, oh, she's champion again. She's champion a lot. She must be, she must be yeah. pretty, pretty special. And, like, that's, that's great. But, like... Well, apparently, also, the higher-ups consider her a baby face. Even though she was a heel that entire fucking storyline. Even though she was full-on heel, the higher-ups are like, yeah, that's one of our top babyface performers, Charlotte. And we're like, no, she's not. She's not a It also gets face. to a deeper, like, issue that I have, is that they put so much emphasis on the number of title reigns that a person has, when, to yep. me, that doesn't make much sense. Um, when really, like... It's like Dylan mentioned, how long you have the title should really be, yeah, like, I mean, your yardstick. It, well, not only it, it, that, you've got to think, like, I won the title 12 times. That means you've lost the tw- title at least 11 times. Yeah. And, and I understand, like, because it means that, oh, that means she's been in the title picture for that long, too. Yeah. And I, I, I understand that a lot goes into each number reign. I just don't think that it should be the most important stat when it, it comes to you and a championship. And I can say that about a lot of different people who have had many well, different reigns. It's how they build a star at the end of the day. When you look back at a person like Stone Cold or The Rock, if you judge them by, like, today's smart standards... No, we would have hated them as much as we hate Charlotte, as much as we hate everybody else, because See, they... that's 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 untrue because they still like talkers. Yeah, and like people still like KO. Even at KO's worst, people still love KO. Like people still love the people that talk and have characters. It's just it's it's hamstrung now. You yeah, like, but if I, you I... gave if you gave people now the freedom that Stone Cold and The Rock had. They'd love them. Like, the, the Smarks standard is... Yeah. yeah. The <laughs> only thing I think the Smarks would go after, especially The Rock, is, like, he's he had some of probably the best matches of their time. Yeah. But he is not he is not a great, like, match guy consistently. Oh, same thing with Stone Cold. If you want to talk about, like, five moves of Doom and shit... Yeah, but he had great psychology. He did have very good psychology, but at the end of the day, like, winning a title a lot and having those iconic moments, that's how they build somebody up. It's, they don't know any other way to build somebody up, which absolutely sucks. Yeah. They also had comparatively short careers to most of the people in WWE now. Which Um, is so buck wild. It's so insane. Um, because, like, they were, I mean, they were on the roster for what? Four or five? Four or five yeah. years, maybe? Like, um, The Rock stuck around a little bit, and he became part-time, but then, you know, he disappeared, and it was less than seven. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, moving on. That is the smartest conversation we've ever had, and everyone listening right now is a little scared. They're like, what happened? <laughs> what mystical berries did they take? <laughs> we, um, we had to get the frustration out. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Dylan went away, he did some hot yoga to calm his brain, and then he came back and was like, okay, let's just break down why I don't like this, and then it led there, to a there nice... Is, there is one, because we're going to talk about it, there is one other thing, and I promise this will be the last negative thing I, I, I say about this. So, for Mania, one of the main things is like, hey, you have the, the Mania crowd, and a big part of wrestling is the crowd. It's part of why I enjoy Japanese pro wrestling so much. It's, like, part of why I don't like going to shows in America. Like, a good crowd is Paramount. WrestleMania is one of the best crowds. 
And we lost that. They lost it. We lost it being live. They took the, the trade of that in for taping. So like, we didn't get anything back. There wasn't equivalent exchange. You, you know that episode of the Twilight Zone where the dude like survives the apocalypse and he braces glasses reading books? Yeah. It, it, it's not fair. I finally had time. They had time. If a match was bad, they literally could have come back the next day and redone the match. Yeah. From scratch. Well, you, you, so everything we got at WrestleMania was them looking at it and be like, that's the best we can do. So while things have been good, really good. Like the things that are bad to me are even worse because they had, the, they could have done. It's not like if it's live and you're just like, well, fuck, there's nothing we can do. Like, like it's, we're, it's WrestleMania. It's happening. That's what happened. No, no, motherfucker. This is like it when you see a TV show and like, like a bad episode of a CW superhero show and you're like, how the fuck did it make it this far? <laughs> That's exactly what that feels like to me. Yeah. when I see a disappointing yeah. moment of this WrestleMania. Well, I, you, I'm with you, especially especially on the crowd, because I think that's one of the biggest things that went into, like, I just not feel, I'm, I wasn't feeling it this year, and just not watching it, because it's so weird watching wrestling without a crowd on a consistent basis. Yeah, well, well like, you say, Dylan says there's no equivalent exchange. I'll say there's no equivalent, but there was an exchange, because we lost a crowd, but the wrestlers who are good at trash-talking fucking they were in their a league of their own during the like me and blake were talking about the rollins match yeah the ko spots what everyone's going to talk about to me what made that match was seth it was seth because he has got such a demented mind for trash talk that he's going around (laughs) delivering like uncomfortable lines and then during the uh, triple threat ladder match Jay Uso was, or was it, I think it was Jimmy. Jimmy was just talking shit throughout the whole time, just being like, "I'm about to flatten you like a pancake, motherfucker!" <laughs> just walking around kicking people's ass. It was so good. Um, there was another good one. Oh yeah, it was uh, Kofi during that same match because we all know about the history of the New Day and the Usos, and we know now they're friends. They're even in kayfabe, but they are friends. And you could hear Kofi being like, I'm sorry, Oos, but this is what I gotta do. Like, throughout the whole thing, calling him Oos, being like, I'm sorry about this, Oos. Bam! Power bombs him. <laughs> it was so good because it, it revealed a little bit more to it. So the people who were are you creating... Sure, are you sure that he didn't say, I'm sorry, I love Oos? <laughs> but the people who are good at trash talk really thrived. Then there was the Kabuki Warriors versus Alexa and Nikki Cross... That did sound like Pornhub. It was very <laughs> uncomfortable. Because, like, they're wanting trash talk. It was just like, ha! Da! Wa-ba! Like, alright. <laughs> At least there wasn't a lot of, uh, that would have been worse. <laughs> Make them say, uh! Everyone on Twitter at once was like, why is wrestling so much more sexual without a crowd? I'm like, because you get every grunt in there. You get all the, uh's in there, baby. It make me say, Ugh. Yeah, I was going to say, like like I said, if you if you stack it up, though, this one, I mean, I guess some of the other ones is just disappointing title matches, but there wasn't, like, a marquee title match. I guess, in your case, Rhea and, uh, and yeah. Charlotte. But there is not one, like, the, the latter match, kind of, but it has a weird asterisk next to it, because it was, like, a triple threat for tag titles, and, like... Triple threat singles match for the tag titles, yeah. Yeah, that was um, weird. So, like, that might be the one, but, you know, ladder matches at WrestleMania, like, there, there really hasn't been a bad one. Yeah. Uh, well, the bad thing is, like, I don't think I would have wanted more 
from Braun Strowman versus Goldberg, who, by the way, fuck Goldberg, because apparently the only reason he came into Mania with the title is because he's like, I'm a superhero, and I refuse to lose to The Fiend. And Vince, on the day of that Saudi Arabia show, said, fuck, I guess Goldberg's a superhero. We can't have him lose the title. And that is the only reason he came into Mania, because it was going to be Roman versus... Uh, Roman versus uh, The Fiend for the title, which, eh, that'd be cool. I'm fine with that. That's actually a pretty decent thing. Uh, we I wouldn't have ha- seen it anyway, because Roman wouldn't have been at Mania, yeah. but yeah. But, I mean, I'm happy we got the Firefly Funhouse match for reasons we will talk about later. But, like, yeah, I don't know if I would have wanted anything from that or from Drew versus Brock. I mean, maybe a, a big-ass Hoss match, a big, like, New Japan-style Hoss match between those two. But you know Brock wouldn't want to do that, especially if he's losing. Yeah. Uh, I, I no, guess he, really... he, gave, he gave a lot in that match. The bits I've seen, like, he made, he did his best to make Drew look like... A fucking slayer. Well, it wasn't a long match is the problem. Like, it was yeah, not I know. a... Well, the thing is, is that you know he can. You've seen his matches with Balor. You've seen his matches with AJ. You've seen his matches with Brian. He can. He can have a long, like, fucking back and forth match. Like, for for whatever. That was... Po- Again, you had time. You had all <laughs> the time in the world. You had all the time in the world. And this is what you gave me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think... Uh... That plays a point, and really thinking back on it, yeah, I I guess it goes to show just, like, what, and I know there were extenuating circumstances with a bunch of wrestlers not being able to compete and whatnot, but, like, it was hard as hell to build an actual, a good card with the yeah. matches that you could well, have had, but, which is why I think they went with two of the biggest matches, honestly, I think, what were the marquee matches more than any title match, which were... You know, night one, the Boneyard match, and night two, that Firefly Funhouse match. Yeah, exactly. And once again, talking about that shit later. Um, But yeah, the only match I could say... Because, like, this is also another reason why I say it's one of the best we've had in a while, is because the other ones I went in expecting something, a something big out of it. This time, I... I almost fell in the Blake camp. I almost was like, I'm not going to watch WrestleMania. Ah, screw it. I'll sit down. I don't have anything else to do tonight. I'll watch it. And the parts that I literally paid attention to were absolutely phenomenal. And they were the only match that I can say I was heavily disappointed in. And the majority of Twitter seemed to ag- uh, agree with me was uh, Edge and Randy Orton, which some people liked it because it did have a lot of cool, brutal spots. It also was so fucking long. And it gets into some problems that I've realized with cinematic wrestling, which is what Dylan says, like, it wasn't wrestling. Yeah, the best shit on WrestleMania wasn't wrestling. But the problem is Orton and um, Orton and Edge tried to do wrestling in that cinematic style, and that doesn't work. Because then you just kind of realize the ridiculous things, like, why is there a cage on the top of this random fucking office in the WWE Performance Center. And it went on... The length of that match, I will describe it, I will describe it as a stoned nap's length, and I won't say how I know how long a stoned nap's length is, but I will say I woke up right as the referee hit ten, the 10 count. Oh, so it was a Triple H match. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, someone online was like, yeah, Triple H might have not been involved with Mania, but there was still a Triple H match. And it, and it did really disappoint me, because like, 
yeah, this is probably the best thing to do for Edge, because it it relied less on taking, like, legit bumps, and instead they could, like, put mats underneath and stuff, but it was just so fucking long, and also, Edge got benoit and that was so uncomfortable for me at home, because they just hung him up in a fucking weight set, and Randy's like, this is cool, right? And everybody behind the scenes at WWE was like, this is not cool, but... One, all it takes, one or two higher ups to be like, this is fine, <laughs> this is okay, keep it going. So you mean, you mean Vince? But yeah, it, it, that's it, it good again, shit. It, it did again, did not help that that Dark Side of the Ring came out like right before, <laughs> like two weeks oh, prior. Yeah, that was oh, that's about, rough. Hold on, by the way, I haven't been watching it, but can we talk about how like? lower the stakes have gotten on each episode of that because it's like we're gonna talk about the horrors of Chris Benoit then we're gonna talk about New Jack now we're just gonna talk about the Brawl for All do you guys wanna know about the Brawl for All for an hour I mean that's what happened with the first one one of them was like literally the second one in was the fucking legacy of the Von Eriks like the fuck you gonna go from there exactly Um, Oh, but I, I really can't wait until they get back to their roots and they do their Abdullah the Butcher special. Abdullah the Butcher! <laughs> and I will say, me and Dylan, last week, we were basing all of our, uh, I would say a majority of our predictions based on old WWE thinking. In other words, hey Blake, fuck you, Otis will not win because you get, don't deserve to be happy. We totally forgot about the Rona and the fact that WWE's like, we cannot not give people the happy ending to this story right now. And I said he won! (laughs) In, like, the most wholesome moment of the entire... I was so happy. I've never been more happy about a fucking victory ever in WWE than Otis walking away carrying Mandy like, yeah! (laughs) You do that. You do the Otis face too well. And it kind of yeah! scares me. No. It's okay. Ziggler won tonight, so. Yeah. 50-50 booking is back, so we're getting back to normal. Yeah, it's all good. Um, so anyways, on to other news. AEW was apparently very good this week, and it made me very mad because I decided, well, this is basically NXT TakeOver. Let's watch this instead. And I had AEW, like, running in the side. And I would be watching, like, the women's ladder match for NXT, and I'd look over it, and I'd just see Britt Baker showered in blood. And I'm like, what the fuck am I missing right now? Because apparently that was good. Um, I'm f- furious at Tommaso and old Johnny Gargano for multiple reasons. But one of the main ones being they made me miss uh, Cody versus Sean Spears. Because I'd be watching that house fire of a match, and then I'd just be looking over every once in a while and be like, why is there a guardrail just randomly pulled out? Why is he getting powerbombed through a table? And, um, yeah. It, I'm it, surprised that you didn't just at a point just, like, click, turn NXT off, and then just say, you know what? I'm not going to hurt myself tonight. Yeah, no, we're we're going to D- get into DDT that. DDT came to America with the best friends versus uh, Nakaza Omega. That was so fucking choice. And also, I know we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but Jericho had some choice lines on commentary between, apparently during the Cody match, he was like, a lot of people online are asking why we still have guardrails even though we don't have fans. So you can hit people with them. Uh, I think Jericho embodies who I would want to be as a commentator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So he was very good this week. And yeah, that that basically DDT match was phenomenal. Because Kenny and Nakazawa were, were doing old DDT spots throughout the entire match. Like at one point, I, I can't remember what Kenny did. Um, oh yeah, he did the bounce off the ropes and... It's not a Rough Rider, but that's the only that's my only thing my WWE brain. You mean the Kataro Crusher? Which is the Yeah, the Kataro Crusher, but he does it to Nakazawa into Trent's dick. It was so good. Yeah, I heard I heard great things about that. My favorite being that um Orange Cassidy did a dive directly in front of uh Aubrey Edwards. They're like, How are you guys not disqualified? And Chuck was like, Oh yeah, I was supposed to distract her. I totally messed that up. <laughs> Like just bold face, like oh yeah, dude, totally screwed the pooch on that. That is uh, that that one's me. That one's on me, y'all. Oh um, god, and, and the, uh, another reason that I love AEW. Uh, we talked about it before, but you just want to see a bunch of different types of wrestling. Yeah, you just watch AEW. It's just a fun buffet. It is wrestling buffet every week. Oh, yeah. And Dylan did say er, before we started the show that he had an answer to this for me. Sure. Was Jake Hager number one contender? I get it. He's undefeated, but he's only had like four matches. <laughs> because he's been a presence for longer. Uh, he actually has a pre-existing feud as an adjunct feud to the one with the inner circle with uh, with Jericho. Yeah. Uh, and he's also choked out the champion like three times. Okay. Yeah, but because for me this was yeah, and he's also for, and he also beat the shit out of Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, cuz cuz for me this felt like the first time in AEW's history other than maybe Jungle Boy where they were just like, "Hey, you want to fight the fucking champion? Yeah, you're number 1 contender now. That's cool. That's all right. You've not been defeated. Why not? We'll pop you up there." Yeah, no, the Jungle Boy one at this point is the least believable one. Well, I like the way I loved the way they did that. And apparently, oh, no, that I know, I was... know, I know they did it. But as far as like, really, this guy hasn't even won a mat. But like, I under, like this one works as well because this one's like, oh, you beat Jericho, okay? Uh, you beat like number one. This is number one A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, well, this the is... Jungle Boy one was apparently Tony Khan's call because he was talking about someone a long time ago who would be coming out and being like, "Do you really think you could last ten minutes with me?" And Tony's like, "Why don't they do that anymore?" And they said. Fuck it, we'll do it. That's cool. And so they, I think they purposefully made sure Jungle Boy did not win a match. That way, when he came out, Jericho would be like, "Yeah, sure, I'll fight you. You're gonna fucking lose." And then once he did go the distance, it's this big, great pop. Makes Jungle Boy look like a victor, even though it was not a victory. It was just a tie. But still, yeah, yeah I, 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 I love the idea too. And it just uh, bringing back things that just haven't been used. It, it, it can always be, like, murky waters, because sometimes there's a reason you haven't seen uh, a fucking... Uh, oh, oh god, hand, well, a, hand. A, a scaffold match. You haven't yeah, seen a one scaffold of those match, or, like, a, a handcuff match where you had to hit those four ring posts like John Cena and Rusev did that one time. It was oh, real bad. That was real bad. Yeah. yeah no, they, they totally gave Jungle Boy the kibashi treatment. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, but I will I will say also we may not be getting blood and guts anytime soon, but we may be getting the elite deletion. <laughs> and hey, I'll take that any day over a fucking war games match. Just send them all to do some buckwild. In, in case anyone's been surprised, 
one of my best things coming out this week was cinematic wrestling, and I'm ready for more cinematic wrestling if that keeps happening in these upcoming months. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. I want to see the king of cinematic wrestling, the innovator, get back to what he is able to do just so good. And I did really like after the... um. After the Boneyard match, he went on Twitter and was like, I want to thank everybody for all of your thoughts and all of your comments that you sent to me. It's very innovative, and I very much enjoyed what they did. And I was like, oh, shit, he's humble, too. He's a humble boy. And then Reby came out and said, these fuckers stole his idea! (laughs) Uh, Reby said, I'll peg Vince McMahon the first chance I get. Reby, what the fuck does that mean? I'll do it! Uh, on a, on a side note, so there's, uh, AEW, which had Jericho. Dark now just has, like, a, a rotating thing, because they pre-taped everything, so it's, like, a weird, like... Oh, so it's, like, back to how it was? Yeah. Which is kind of, so, like, the first one was Tony, uh, Tony Giovanni and Cody, and this week, t- Cody, 100% better. Like... Oh, yeah. I think, I think they, they did that, like, after Dynamite, and they were like, oh, dude, that was the drizzling shit. So they were like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta step this up, and it was great. The next match was fucking Tony Schiavone and fucking Jimmy Havoc while Kip Sabian was wrestling. And, like, please go watch that. The commentary is amazing. He's like, they're... Because, like, Jimmy's there being like, yeah, aren't they, they're both hot. He's like, yeah, he's, he's like, yeah, your friend. I was like, he's like, well, we're roommates. Like, we'd have to like each other. He's like, yeah, he's an attractive guy. Sometimes he walks around in just his underwear. Sometimes I don't mind. And then Tony Giovanni's like, I don't know how to take this. <laughs> he doesn't know how to deal with it. Meanwhile, like, uh, Jimmy's justifying everything that happens in the ring. It was, it was so good. And then I think the last one was Taz and, uh, Taz and, uh, frickin', uh, Excalibur, I think was the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I really do enjoy AEW's commentary because they're not afraid to pop each other. Because every once in a while, you'll just hear a lull on commentary, and then one of them just starts laughing real quietly, like, we can't do this. I will say, NXT uh, really upped their commentary game this week because they decided to just have Mauro Ronaldo. They were like, hey, we're just going to send you all of this to uh, to California, and you do with it what you want, Mauro. And he was like, I'll do it, okay. And he did open... NXT TakeOver with the phrase, Hey, all you cool cats and kittens, welcome to a new week of NXT. And I'm like, Marl, this is your biggest fucking show of the year. How dare you? I love you so much. By the way, you were talking about how NXT overtook AEW. Yeah, by using a literal, like literally using TakeOver. And they still only won by a thousand people. Literally just a thousand, which technically I might have been one of those thousands. So if I had just turned it off at some point, yeah. oopsie poops. Literally, literally, it's like I hit you with my best. It's, it's like if you were to like NOS out in like fucking Fast and the Furious, and then you just barely beat some dude on a Can Am spider. Like it's just, it's it's really it's more embarrassing than anything. You just barely beat out a DDT match. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's like this was not the this was not their best shot at all. Like, I feel like they knew that too. I feel like they did that on purpose. They're like, ah, oh, we might be losing. You want to use like the worst footage? Yeah, we'll just use the we'll use the not best because they have all those matches. They're just like, what? what do we put Let's just put here? in Britt Baker bleeding to death. 
Uh, I did enjoy Britt's post-show interview, by the way, and unfortunately, if you're not watching the video, you won't get to fully enjoy this, but they walked up to her, and they were like, hey, Britt, how are you doing? You didn't seem to have a good time out there, and Britt, like, has a bloody nose, and she just stares at them and just goes, ha, yeah, and then just, like, cuts, <laughs> like, stone cold where he did that fake laugh and then shuts. That's what Britt did, and I was like, okay, I'm feel I'm on the Britt train right now. I still won't be ever... But I understand why some people are now. Yeah. But you know who I always understand who's on the Fight Boys train? Our patrons at patreon.com slash load of BS. That's the website where you can support us and get shouted out on the show of your choice every single week like Eric Fulmer, like that motherfucker Gazi, and you get access to exclusive content like our show FAQ where we take a deep dive on some of our favorite moments in professional wrestling history. We've got shows on Kenny Omega, on CM Punk, Blake's got one coming up on Daniel Bryan, and if you're a fan of the JWF, Fuck, there's some bad shit where me and Blake take a look at the old JWF that's absolutely garbage, and you need to check it out on patreon.com slash a load of BS. Dylan, who are we tweeting this week? As an, as an aside, do we change the name of it? Oh, did I say FAQ? That's yeah. the other show. That's another show that's available that's about theme parks. Uh, if you want to learn about the Haunted Mansion, you got that. Uh, I'm sorry. Actually, I meant to say Wrestling History X. My bad, y'all. <laughs> also, I, I do like to... S- I like how on the Patreon plug, you don't even wait for a response from us anymore. You've just given up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because it, now it's just evolved to like, hey, you guys know this? Fuck Gazi. All right, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> uh, he couldn't pay us enough money to not say that. Anyway, uh, the more the more he pays, the more he gets it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's that's how he wants it. How we he did gets get it. Fo- we weirdly got followed, by the way, by Orange Crush Art, which is like I don't know if Joey Janelle is part of it or what, but it's like a new wrestling zine. So oh, apparently we're big somehow. All right, who are we tweeting? Uh, I don't know. You want? She can't. She can't read it. Uh, t- tweeted Io Shirai congratulating her. <laughs> She can. I'm fucking with you, but um, she's not going to. Let me repeat. Let me rephrase that. Yeah, congratulate her on being fucking like queen of the skies at fucking NXT, whatever, whatever line Morrow used. She used to be uh, the genius of the skies. Now she's queen of the skies, and I swear to God, if she loses clean to Charlotte, like she's I'll just gone. stop doing this show. She's gonna do it, and now I'm gonna have to find a third co-host. You are. Yeah, good fucking luck. Good fucking luck. Hey, on the bright side, on the bright side, you won't have to do pickums for uh, the G1. So, like, you got that going (laughs) for you. Uh, Do you know how many, like, random wrestling shows we're gonna have to stand in line for to find another third commentator? (laughs) They're not just gonna walk up to you in Orlando when you just happen to be standing in line for Impact. (laughs) Also, I will say, uh... My favorite new name for Io Shirai did come from Maro this week, and it is the Joshi Judas. Yeah, FMA says it in the chat, the Joshi Judas, Io Shirai. Fuck, that's a great nickname. Who did she betray? Um, everyone. The trust of the... I got... What, Candace? She she betrayed Candace back in the fuck day. Fuck Fuck Candace. Candace kicked... Candace kicked two Hold people on. in the no, day. No, we can't talk about that. We'll talk about it in a few minutes when we get into our heels in the faces of the week. Boys, what's our heels? Uh, uh, mine is, again, here, continue my sour grapes. Uh, 
of of WrestleMania. It's just it was just disappointing. Like, and you're like, be like, you didn't even watch all of it. Yes, because it was two days, twelve hours. Correct, Scotty. Yep. Scotty's just sitting down. He doesn't want to listen to him anymore. But it was it was twelve hours. Could you imagine if that was one day, just half a day for WrestleMania? Like no, and that was like what you think about last year too. How it was just I, I remember wanting to give up. I think I, I I ended up staying up to watch the very end of last year's WrestleMania, and it was so much wrestling it packed into one day. They they stretched it out to twice as much this year. Over two days, God, I, I just thinking about that. Like, I don't know why in the moment I didn't think that was as buck wild. I guess it's because I didn't want to watch it. Yeah. Wait, yeah, so no, that wait was... hold on. Wait, 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 hold on. It was three hours, by the way. It started at six and went off at nine. It was a three hour show. Yeah, that's why I asked how long it was. And you said. Yeah, you said 12. It was six hours split between two days. I was sitting there drinking that whiskey fake with the cap on as a fun goof for the people watching. And then halfway through, I went, wait a minute. It wasn't 12 fucking hours. Oh, uh, I guess that's better, but still. It helped a lot. As a, as a viewer of both previous WrestleManias and this one, it helped a significantly large amount to the, how terrible it was. Yeah, okay, see, that's the, that's the, so I apologize for not having my numbers right. Again, I show my lack of, lack of knowledge because I didn't, I didn't watch it. I don't watch WWE on principle. I've been pretty open about that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Lord it of was the- better to watch, it was better with Wrestle Kingdom, but that's because I was excited for Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm, I'm biased, but like, they've taken the stakes out of WrestleMania a little bit, haven't they? I, I will say, like first this felt day, like the I- least like sure it was good, but it felt the most underwhelming, and like it was the most underwhelming before the coronavirus happened. Like you remember, well, like before when we were just we all were in dread that we were gonna have to sit here supposedly this last Sunday and like. Like, we had designated Scotty the designated watcher, because Blake and I knew we'd be passed out drunk. Like, that was how the card was, and that was only, like, three weeks ago that all this happened. So, like... I'll be be honest, Rhoda might have made it better. Like, I know that sounds rough, but Rhoda kind of made it better. So you need to understand, like... That's not a that's not a, a glowing endorsement of how of what they did for the stakes of WrestleMania. They had no real build. They still had no build, and it wasn't all yeah. Rona's fault. Hell, like you said, if anything, like the the fact that they took the crowd out allowed them to do the the cinematic wrestling, which saved two of the matches. Can you imagine Taker versus AJ in just a regular match? It would have had none of the same thing. It would have been. A complete. I honestly think the plans. For, well, hold on. They announced the Boneyard match after Rona. Okay, then yeah, hold on. Rona the Firefly did that. House was also after. Ah, fuck. Okay, hold on. You're right there. Yeah, You're cinematic right wrestling as you love it would not have happened without this uh, unfortunate. Without Rona. Yeah, without this unfortunate thing that has claimed lives. So, <laughs> fuck you. Uh, and I, I, also, I I will say this. I was like I said firmly in y'all's camp of I don't want to watch this first night. After watching first night and knowing like the Firefly Funhouse was going to be just as buck wild as the Boneyard match, it got me excited. That was all it took was how good the show was versus like a build. I don't think many of them needed a big build in all honesty. Like, because the matches that had 
big, really good builds. Edge Orton ended up kind of kind of shitty. Gargano Ciampa that I will be talking ad nauseum about in a few minutes turned out pretty shitty. But the stuff where they were like, hey, let's just throw two people together and see what kind of fucking crazy shit they can do. Those were great. That was some fun shit. Yeah, so, that's... Yeah. Uh, so here, here, let me tell you. Um, so th- what you just described is what's supposed to happen on Raw where they just throw things together and then they let people, like, kill it. Um, WrestleMania is supposed to be a culmination. It's the biggest show of the year. And if your best you can do is, like, let's just throw some random things together with no story, and that's the best mania you've had in years? Fucking kill the company. Just fucking gun to the head. To be fair... John and John and Bray had a built-in story though, so that one was good. They um, built, yeah, they they built it in. It, it's remember when it started? It was just I'm gonna come up creepily behind you and point at this sign. Well, no, because like once you actually saw the match, it revealed the backstory and why it's so yeah, good. Yeah, but that it, match wouldn't have happened that way. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. So it would have just been. It would have just. It probably would have been the Seth Fiend. It match. sounds like you're mad at hypothetical WrestleMania and not what actually happened at WrestleMania, Dylan. <laughs> I'm saying, like the, my whole thing I started with that was that they've really taken the stakes out of WrestleMania, and then I explained well, yeah, because it's, it's that, gone. That, it's gone from what you were talking about, which was building up stakes and ending storylines, to instead saying what's the biggest draw we could put on. So instead of like. And, uh, like, say Edge and Orton wasn't a big storyline. They would still throw it in because those are two names that would draw. Same with Brock. Same with Goldberg. Correct. So that's the problem. Is that they've taken, they've taken, like, they've taken the story out of the biggest parts of it. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's why WrestleMania just feels like a disappointment. Because, like, there's no culmination. There's no, for fuck's sake, like, impact culminated like it was overshadowed by the shitty reporter but like impact culminated the fucking uh tessa thing over like months there were multiple yeah. stories that that wrapped up there like the only and people that why I, don't care about that, a story or or wwe because they only care about moments and like guess what yeah there has to be something in between the moments to keep people wanting to see the next one and i guess that's also why 30 was the last great WrestleMania was because that was the last time where the main event was a build. It was months of Daniel Bryan being put down, Daniel Bryan being put down, culminating into Daniel Bryan overcoming fucking everything in the main event. Like, that's why that one was such a big deal. Meanwhile, everything else has been... I guess you could argue maybe, like, Seth versus Triple H had a pretty lengthy build to it. No, that match, no... Oh, I mean, God. I'm not saying it was a good match. I'm saying they had built it for a very long time. Like, you can't argue they hadn't built that. Yeah, that was that was one where they did they did a build that was sadly it was disappointing because of the match, not the build so much to me. Um, and, and, and I will say, now that I understand Dylan's mad at WrestleMania as an entity, and not just this WrestleMania, I'm fine because <laughs> I'm I was a very big fan of this year's. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not letting you know like why I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, mad. At, like, like I said, I'm mad at the one you had all the time in the world. So, like, you had time to make the bad things at least passable. 
And I understand they did yeah, that by splitting it over think two there days. There was also some panic setting in. There was some panic of like, okay, but we could still do it like this. Uh, no, we can't do it like that anymore. Okay, uh, fuck, go to the performance center. Let's film some shit really, really quickly. Oh, fuck, we actually have to put this out. Okay, let's let's just put it out then. Like, I do think there was some panic in the stuff they wanted to focus on. Turned out really good. Boneyard match took eight hours, and it shows. Then there was some stuff that they just tried to throw by the wayside. Apparently, Edge and Orton was last minute. They were last minute told, like, yeah, this is how we're going to do it. It's just going to be a brawl around. And according to Edge, he was like, yeah, we just made it up on the spot. And I'm like, it shows. It shows. And he's like, yeah, when they told me it was 42 minutes. I was like, wow, I didn't think I could go that long. All right. Hey, hey, Blake, take us away from WrestleMania for a minute. I don't want to, because, like, this, you've messaged me this right before, and it became my heel, and I, God, it just makes me mad, because, A, Hulk Hogan should never tweet again. Yeah, and I'll be honest, (laughs) before I had uh, picked my actual heel of the week, I had two choices. One was Goldberg, but once I realized that if Goldberg wasn't an asshole, we would have never gotten Firefly Funhouse, I said, alright, I'll give him a pass. He didn't mean to do it, but he gave me something good. And then the other one was Hulk Hogan. Yeah, so essentially Hogan, and of course, it was uh, an incredibly, like, I, 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 and I have a hard time believing that he, he's just stupid, is the problem. Um, yes. It was a stupid tweet, and he didn't realize what he was saying, and just, especially the optics of it, because he did come out like, and once again, I don't want to say I'm insulting his faith or anything, Yeah, but... This is not a faith, but, like, the faith part of this? Fine. I'm cool with this, whatever you want to say, Hogan. It's kind of the ending. It is the the, the did not Z-planted. did not stick the landing. Did not yeah, stick yeah, no, the no. landing on this. Also, real real quick before you get into this, apparently FMA in chat, our our uh, our faithful producer has let us know that WWE taped the Raw after WrestleMania before they filmed WrestleMania. Yep, yeah, no, that tracks. Oh fuck me! All right, so uh, earlier this week, Hogan made some waves because he compared. The COVID-19 pandemic that has killed thousands and has completely disrupted the entire world to a biblical plague. And he has said, he has implied, at least in those tweets, that these people who have died deserved it. Holy shit. What? I feel like... I feel like the only thing he really could have could have done that could have made it a little more transparent is if he said that the black people who died deserved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's May- be honest about where he was coming from with that. <laughs> Did you see where that priest said that Corona was a curse for all the homosexuals and then he got coronavirus one week later? It was very choice. <laughs> so good. There are actually, there are a lot of uh, news headlines that say that, because guess what? This isn't, it's just a virus. And guess what? A virus attacks everybody. It doesn't matter how much faith you have. I'm sorry. Unless you had faith in isolationism. Yes. Wait. (laughs) I have a faith in a different kind of isolationism. Don't don't matter how many dicks you've sucked, you can get the Rona. 
Um, and so he he said that it's like, oh, he compared it to uh, a, a Bible passage that I don't feel like reading, and then he came out later and said, maybe we don't need a vaccine. Maybe we need this time in isolation to explore our faith. And I'm like, you know what? I- is that is that how he would have said it, Blake? Is that how? We're not making light we're... of this with the with the accent. No, brother. Um, <laughs> he uh, and it's like ah, once again, you're you're trying to get somewhere, but you're falling on your face with the landing there because it's just so you just you should stop talking. If he had taken out the phrase, there doesn't need to be a vaccine. I don't think this would have made news headlines if he was just like, hey, we need to take advantage of this time to look inside of ourselves and really reevaluate our faith. That's a cool, weird thing Hulk Hogan said. But then... <laughs> but then he said we don't need a vaccine, which we do. People are dying, Hulkster. Yeah. My dude, you are in the highest risk group, you old leathery man. <laughs> And it's like, ah, just, Hulk, just turn the phone off for right now, sit at home, and just wait till it's over. Yeah. At this point, you have done a lot, and really, you just got put back into WWE as a name that they say, so don't, don't, don't do it again. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of people who just recently got put back on WWE television, Bray Wyatt did put CM Punk in the middle of the Firefly Funhouse, and it did make me shit my pants with joy. Uh, because my heel and baby face of the week both revolve around something I've talked about a lot today, and that is cinematic wrestling. And my heel of the week, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to disagree with FMA in chat, because he says that Gargano Ciampa was better than Edge Orton. I don't know if I can evaluate that, because as I said, I was very asleep during Hedge Orton, but I was awake for all one hour of Ciampa versus Gargano, and it was some bullshit, because, like, here's the thing, they never said the rules of the match, Triple H was just like, you're gonna go in there, and when it's over, it's over. And I'm like, so does that mean, is it like a last man standing? Is it like a pinfall? So I didn't know the stakes and what they were building towards, so it was just like a bunch of two dudes fighting for like an hour, and cinematic wrestling don't work if it's just normal wrestling filmed cool you gotta do some buck wild shit in there otherwise it's extremely boring and weird to watch it's a bunch of grunting and there was a little bit of good trash talking there but the whole match was just like hey what if we went outside and climbed on a truck okay and i throw you off the truck nah nah we're just gonna get off the truck after a while okay Okay, that's cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if you compare this one, like, compare it to the, um, the match where, uh, the Hardys, uh, went against, um, Decay. Yeah. Because I could, th- I, I, those two had some similarities where they did go outside and they did some Buckwild bullshit. Well, it, it was more Buckwild. I was there for that, by the way. The most Buckwild part of it was as an Orlando resident. Watching it, knowing that we were at Universal Studios and being like, how'd they get to fucking Fun Spot? That's five miles away from here. How the f- how are they here? <laughs> Why are they in these bushes? But it's like, that actually, that felt cool because there was actual spooky shit in it. There was like, um... There I was mean, Itchweed, it, it, baby! <laughs> it was Itchweed, yeah. There was, there was Buckwild bullshit. And I, I, like, 
it's like you said, Scotty. Like a a cinematic wrestling match isn't real wrestling because if it is, it's just wrestling filmed cool. Yeah, and it doesn't really work. And they had what I would argue to be the perfect ending to this match. I almost forgave them for the hour of my life I had wasted. I almost forgave them for making me miss Cody and Sean Spears. Because here is the way the match should have ended from FantasyBookingScotty.com. Uh, uh, Candace comes in, and you can see Candace is very distraught, and she's upset. And she's looking at Johnny and looking at Ciampa like, her life is destroyed in front of her very eyes. One of her best friends, her husband, they've gone through so much and, and they're doing this to each other. It's ridiculous. The ring is torn apart and Candace can tell that Johnny is on his way out. Johnny's definitely about to be beaten, looks at Champa and goes, are you happy with what you've done? I hate my husband. I hate what you've turned him into. Finish it. And then Champa, you could see him being like, fuck, that is my best friend. These are both my best friends. I'm so... And you can see him regret everything that he's done in this buildup. Because at the end of the day, this all started because Johnny is upset because Ciampa has never apologized for his actions. He was like, the, the NXT universe forgave him even though he never apologized. He never said he's sorry. That is the buildup to this match. And then Candice goes, you know what? Fine. Turns around. I'll finish it kicks Johnny in the nuts, he falls down, and then you see Ciampa fall down, and Ciampa looks distraught, like, I can't, I've done this to my best friend in the entire world, I'm so upset, grabs Johnny, and he goes, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Johnny finally gets what he's wanted, which is Ciampa apologizing for everything he's ever done to him. And then, what should have happened, is Johnny looks at him, and in a very Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair way, goes, end it end it and champa is now like what why he goes end it because now johnny is sorry for everything he's done champa stands up bounces off the ropes single running knee to the head knock johnny to the ground pin him one two three both of them sit up diy style arms around each other and they both look very very like sorry for everything they've been and now johnny can move on with candace and his life as a top baby face uh, Tommaso can move on as a top baby face in his own affair. Perfect ending would have been something unlike anything we've ever seen, where a feud ends not with them saying, I fucking hate you, but the feud ends with them both saying, I'm sorry we've done this to each other. Unique, fresh, new. In fucking stead... Candace just kicks Tommaso in the balls, and then, Tom- and then Johnny pulls out a cup and just holds his dirty ball cup <laughs> in Tommaso's face, picks him up, fairy tale ending onto the wood, pins him one, two, three, and then the rest of the show is just Candace and Johnny healing it up. And I know a majority of this is coming from the fact that I fucking hate heal johnny gargano not in a (laughs) oh he's so bad i hate him but in a he doesn't need to be a heel kind of way the only good thing to come out of it was the fact that after they left and johnny and candace are like stumbling to the car they do pass by another car and killer cross and scarlet bordeaux are looking on that still could have happened with my ending but wwe said go fuck yourself we're not doing anything unique fuck you Oh uh, man, that was a good that was a good rant there, buddy. Do you feel better? And oh wait, also 
there were commercial breaks. So imagine you're watching the end of the biggest feud in NXT history. It's all coming to a head. One final beat. And then just, we got new pizza, motherfucker! <laughs> Come get the papadilla! We took a normal pan pizza and folded it in half. You're gonna eat it? You don't care? You're a pervert. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, so, that's my heel of the week, is Gargano and Ciampa for fucking everything up. And then on the other side of it, you have, like, Firefly Funhouse. Thank you, because, hey, screw it. Oh, also... Uh, someone did help me, one of our fans helped me realize something, and it's that Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa are like the ACDC of NXT. It's gonna be the same song every single fucking time. It's a pretty good song, but it's the same song every single time, and we are gonna get very tired of it. (laughs) FMA, Pop-Tarts Pretzels! (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. I, I you will should say, go on and do your baby face. Well, I will also say it didn't have commentary over it, which might be the only edge, uh, edge literally, it has over Edge and Orton. Because Edge and Orton did have, like, quiet golf commentary throughout the whole thing. It was real awkward. Well, oh, no. God. My baby face of the week, though, goes to just cinematic wrestling as a whole. Because when I look back at, like, the past five years of wrestling, the shit I remember the most is that Decay versus Hardy's match. It is the final deletion. It's going to be the Boneyard match. It's going to be the Firefly Funhouse match because it allows them to take their creativity to a place that's not restricted. Because wrestling is awesome, but it is very restrictive. You can only do a certain amount of things. The majority of the time, it's live, so you don't have an option to do much in front of a live audience. But with cinematic wrestling... You can do buck wild shit, like just film an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger, but with The Undertaker in it, and just put it out there. So what, that, so what you like is television. I enjoy television, yeah. You'd like, but you, with... Ca- yeah, you just would like wrestling undertones. No, I understand. That's basically... Well, at that point, you're not even a wrestling fan. You're a wrestling personality fan. WWE's great about building up characters, though, and you have to agree at some point, those characters do have to think... We need to take this to the next level. And we've reached the next level as far as a wrestling ring goes. You've you've gone as far as you can. When they fucking stacked three rings on it and David Arquette fucking chokeslammed DDP through it or what the fuck ever, we went, we're as far as we can go. So the next logical step is cinematic wrestling. Is going insane and doing some buck wild stuff. Because then you can do more intelligent things like the Firefly Funhouse match, which was... Buck wild and weird and kind of dumb and crazy, but when you break it down, it was the smartest thing we've ever seen in professional wrestling because it was a complete and total dissection of the character of John Cena, a character that we all have emotions towards. No one's ever been like, ah, f- fuck, John Cena's here. It's always either fuck John Cena or yay, John Cena's here. And it dissected his Have like- you ever felt that second one? Which one? Have you ever felt yay John Cena's here? Yeah. Oh, don't 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 get me on that Rumble return. Uh the Rumble return. Oh, I meant, you're I meant about... in the last decade, past 2010. Yeah. <laughs> US title from the US title reign forward. I've been a, f- a fan of John Cena from that US title reign ever since. I've never been uh, an anti John Cena fan. <sighs> nope. Nope. Every time he came back, I'm like, just let it go, bro. Let it go. Oh no, the minute he had that great match against Sami Zayn in like Montreal, and I went 
Oh, John Cena can fucking go. All right. See, see, there's that one overhanging thing, that whole thing. He did the springboard stunner. Every step of that. Every step of that. Yeah. And then he did the lightning fist of doom. You remember that? Yeah. Well, he's given. <laughs> he don't even use that shit anymore. Uh, I will say Jay Walker on Twitter. I'm not going to read it all out because we'd be here literally all night. But he broke down the match bit by bit. And it's so it's showing how fucking intelligent it was. It was showing uh, like John Cena if he did do a heel turn, and that's the NWO bit. And then it's showing like uh, the entire world rejecting him by showing him the matches against Brock and where Randy won, and then where The Rock won. Uh, Roman, CM Punk. It shows all of that, and then you see Cena just snap, and then finally now the Fiend is there, and the Fiend takes him out. And the best part, and I know John definitely did this on purpose, they play his promo where he says that WrestleMania will end the career of one of the most overhyped, overpublicized people in all of professional wrestling. And he was talking about Bray at the time. They play it as John is about to get the fucking uh, Sister Abigail into the mat. And it's just this beautiful, poignant moment. It was so... So fucking good. And it made me realize the more I saw it, how to do it right and how to do it wrong. Because we we had two matches that did it wrong. Edge Orton, Ciampa Gargano. And then we had two that did it right. Uh, Undertaker, AJ, John versus Bray. It, firstly, you need to have ridiculous fucking stakes going into it. It can't just be like, hey, we're wrestling in a ring. There, I don't want to see a fucking ring, no matter what. Unless you're doing a blend, like that uh, the Hardys Decay match was. That's the only time it could work. And it needs to be a little bit self-aware of how crazy it is. You can't, like, be, a, be like... We're all aware. It's wrestling, and it's a little bit silly. So you can't go to... Like, the Undertaker one bordered on it bordered on it being a little bit too self-serious but then there'd be a moment where aj is like i'm gonna finally bury the dead man and then just lights <laughs> and then undertaker's just there out of n- nowhere and then carl and luke are there and they pull out druids for uh, no apparent reason it gets as crazy as it possibly can be and the audience we're wrestling fans we've dealt with crazy shit in the past and as we watch it we're like oh you're doing the crazy shit that's good and uh the one thing i think i kept coming back to is if you could do it in a wrestling ring don't do it cinematically edge and orton did not need the cinematic treatment champa gargano did not need the cinematic treatment but something like a Firefly Funhouse match or something like a Boneyard match definitely benefits from it because it allows you to do crazier things that fit with the characters. And I've- inherently, a cinematic match, like, befits a certain type of character. Like, the characters that were in those two matches, the good ones, it really fits. Because in all of the cinematic matches that WWE has done before, they've all involved Wyatt, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, I, I believe so. They've all really involved Wyatt, and it benefits Wyatt. And I will say, only one of them does it need to really work with. Because AJ Styles, if it was AJ Styles versus Sami Zayn, wouldn't have fucking worked. If it was John Cena versus, like, Roman, wouldn't have fucking worked. You need to have one character that is over-the-top crazy, and then I honestly think it benefits to have a... um have almost like a foil, have a straight man there, uh, an AJ Styles or a uh, a John Cena who can be the the uh, audience's surrogate there to look and say, oh, this is 
really fucking crazy. What's going on right now? So we can look at them and go, oh, we understand. There's someone who we can connect to, but we're rooting for the crazy one. Yeah, I do love the like the analytical point that you've taken on this because it really does make sense to have somebody who we can sympathize with and then the crazy shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that, like, I, I really think that cinematic wrestling is going to be uh, a partial evolution of the wrestling business as a whole, uh, because it's it's a big step. It can be entertaining. It's not wrestling as we know it. And I think that's a big, like, that's going to be a bit the biggest disconnect. But I think that, I, I don't think we're going to see a pure cinematic wrestling show anytime soon. And I don't think there needs to be one. No, it needs to be, like, a, a only a bit of it. Yeah. It, it can be, it's a big match thing for certain characters. It's like what an Iron Man match was introduced to do. Like, those were meant to end blood feuds. Well, not only that, it elevated the type of person that it been... Like, someone who could go long, like Brett and Sean, or, like, even CM Punk. Like, the people who could last long, that's who those matches benefit. But these matches could benefit a whole range of other characters. I think WWE has been afraid to do it in the past because they're like, well, that's just the crowd watching a screen. They won't pop for that. There won't be any big moments in that. My boy... I was in that crowd for Decay versus Hardys. We went fucking insane. We were just screaming at a television, and we were fine with it. We were like, yeah, we're aware this couldn't happen here. So I'm fine with you going backstage and doing your crazy bullshit. And I honestly like that technique. I like the combining of the two worlds, because then you could have your normal wrestling there to kind of build your audience up, get them start, start them kind of growing a fury. They run backstage, and then everyone looks up at the screen, because now we want to see what happens next. And that's where the buck wild shit starts to happen like abyss and jeff hardy suddenly being at animal kingdom <laughs> just some crazy shit happens okay i'm gonna step off off my uh, my soapbox here but i just wanted to prove to everybody i am smart about wrestling sometimes you guys go have fun okay do you want to go next Dylan, or should i oh, i'm allowed to, to say something <laughs> i i think i think yeah <laughs> I, i'm done Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, you know, I had things I wanted to input on that, but f- fuck if y'all left me the space to try and do anything. I will say this. Welcome to how Blake feels every week. <laughs> right. Here's the thing. Um, that's more on you than me. Because you do a whole show with them, so y'all's thing should probably be better. Um, fuck it. No, we've wasted too much time on it. <laughs> Literally. Uh, I actually would love to hear your input on cinematic matches, though. Yeah, I do. Like, hold on. I'm, I'm looking at the timer now. You've got two minutes. <laughs> okay, great. So so here here's the thing. Uh, the Cena match was good because it had the whole, like, John Cena has to relive all of his worst fears, awkward introduction, uh, bodybuilder gimmick not working out, rap career, like, not being taken seriously. Uh, and then eventually the looming cloud of never having a heel turn of never doing that demonstrated greatly by having him go full hulk hogan which that gif alone of him playing the nwo belt that's that's that that alone was worth the whole match honestly oh yeah but when he does that and when he like finally breaks and like does that 
Um, somebody else had a, a great uh, thing about the fiend, and that the fiend can only uh, can only defeat people who like are fake, who are like are yeah. yeah that's why he reverts everyone. And like John Cena, like that showed that he was he hadn't truly embraced like anything. He was still living. He was still living like four personas deep. Yeah. Well, someone else also was like somebody else straight up was like, hey. Uh, yeah, this is how The Fiend needs to be presented from now on. That that monster does not need to be on my television for more than three minutes at a time. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, which is why he couldn't beat Goldberg, because Goldberg's just always been Goldberg. Goldberg never tried to be anything other than a superhero. And also because Goldberg didn't want to lose. <laughs> which is fine. But that worked out. Uh, the Undertaker... I only saw bits and pieces of it, and while I was sad that AJ Styles went out like a bitch, I understand that it was a Walker Texas Ranger episode, and that's how those end. Um, but I was dis I was disappointed because while this does benefit the Undertaker, I still stand by my statement of like if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for this style of match, I really did want this to be the Undertaker's last WrestleMania because yeah. like. It's over, like, the whole, like, the fuck, they did the, the preview for the 24 hours, like, no one truly understands how much pain The Undertaker is. Like, no, I had an idea after WrestleMania 30, which is when I thought he should stop, and why I, while I, like, cried at 33, I was happy that he could stop, and that's why I feel insulted every time he comes back, <laughs> because I realize yeah. that they're making me feel like I'm responsible for this old man hurting himself. I'm fine. Like, if this is all Taker does, and it's like eight hours, and every moment, like, Taker's like, I'm a little bit tired. Oh, well, go over there, do some DDP yoga, and then come back. I'm fine with that. Fuck it. Do Sting versus Undertaker in a fucking graveyard match. I don't care. Yeah, that's the that's the one thing where everybody was like, holy shit, we can have it now. We can finally... That's next year. You know that's next year. That's gonna happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Anyway. I would, uh, that would be my go-home for Taker. That would be my end for Taker and for Sting. Both of them, they're out after that. Yeah. Uh, you get original... You get. Do you do, you do original Taker versus Super uh, Surfer Sting? I mean, no, because <laughs> that's not what people want. Although, no, mean- no, I want to see Undertaker in his original getup. I want that to be what he ends like. Percy Pringle in an interview was like, "That's how he, that's how he should go out. He should go out in like a similar uniform to what he went, what he came in on." Like we talked about it, like that'd be a good fitting ending because he's reverted gimmicks. Yeah, although yeah. time travel, like Undertaker and Sting in a time travel match. Yeah, no, because then hold on. That one I like even more, because now the Fiend can get involved, and it's like, Bray is the puppet master, and it could be a commentary on the fans wanting wanting wrestlers to come back even after they're too old and broken down, and the match could just consist of them slowly getting more broken, and then the Fiend comes out and takes them both down. That's how you build. I'm fucking out. That's it. That's it. I just built the Fiend in one match. Fuck you guys. Baby faces of the week. You guys go. <laughs> Sorry, Scotty's off screen sucking his own dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, God. It's so. How does that even work? <laughs> it, it doesn't. It doesn't. He'd have to bend himself in half. It's, he's compensating. Uh, uh, so, hold on. What was your. Uh, Scotty's got to cue me up if we want to do that. Okay. Uh, all right, fine. Um, so, Chris Jericho did commentary. It was very good, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho got over Sugar Duncanton by calling him Pineapple Pete. He has a T-shirt as of today <laughs> called "Is That?" Pi-? It's called. It's, it just says Pineapple Pete, and it's Sugar Duncan, like it's a pineapple Sugar Duncanton's head headbutt man on it. 
Is that Pineapple Pete? I hate that guy. Get him out of here. <laughs> like that's like they they built everything. He had he had so many good liners that I lost in that fucking like five oh. minute rant that Scotty had. Oh, uh, my, my, my favorite my per- one was when he said, "I'll pull out a fork and cut a bitch." Yeah, because they were talking about I can't remember who they were talking about, but they were talking about like the referee checking the legs for weaponry, and Giovanni's like, "Why would they do that?" And Jericho's like, "When I come out to the ring, I've got weapons all over me. I got knives. I got brass knuckles. I got them everywhere you could put them. I got a fork." And then Giovanni's like, "Oh, Abdullah the Butcher." He's like, "I'll cut a bitch with a fork. I don't." Care. No, he was like. No, it wasn't even Abdullah. It was like, you have a fork? <laughs> like, uh, like, why? But, uh... That was another one of those commentary breaks moments. Yeah, I don't know. Do you, the, the bit where Tony Schiavone said, I believe that's called the hentai slide. That one's gonna stick with me for yeah, forever. Yeah. That was great. Um, just... Just, just everything, just everything that Jericho said. Like I said, I don't have him queued up, but let every bit I heard yet, like, on that day... It was like, Chris Jericho commentary. I was like, yes, please. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so so Jericho doing commentary, Jericho proving that he is he's great at getting people over, like regardless. Like he's getting the the He got Pineapple Pete over. Yeah. It, and it just shows to show once again he's just one of the best in the business right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Well, Blake, well, I, I feel so bad because I took up the majority of this segment, didn't I? Because I went on like a 12-minute rant, and then it cuts to Dylan, and he's like, Jericho was good on commentary anyways, Blake. <laughs> Mine <laughs> might even be shorter, so let's do it. Okay. Y'all, it's finally come. The day has passed. Play that music. Say yeah. Oh! The Revival have been released from their utter torment. The Revival can finally be whole again as they go out into the world and everybody in AEW wants the Revival. Fuck me. Their long, like, their odyssey through being on the main roster has been something that has just been heartbreaking to see. And for them to finally, it's like, it is like them finally being cut down from the cross, really. And, and apparently they don't have a no-compete clause in their contract, so they just show up in, like, two weeks. Like, I, I know probably AEW, because that's the dream, so we could have them against the Bucks. NWA would be good, though. Uh, have them form a stable. I think Gazi sent this idea earlier, which was Scott. them... Forming, hold on, I see him. I'm reaching the end of my thought. Uh, him, Spears, Arn, Tully, all together, forming like a, a new pseudo horseman. That would be very great. Dylan, do you have a question? <laughs> you do know, you did see their new names, right? Oh, have they changed already? Yes, they have. Um, what are Cause they? Because I did see they have a new Pro Wrestling Tees shirt, and it's FTR, but it's is it Free the Revival? It's something the... Their um their new usernames on Twitter are Dax Hardwood and Cash Wheeler. <laughs> I I know it's not gonna be that, but I want it to be that so bad. Um, it is that. That is how they're going to show up. So yeah, say no. 
No, I love no, I love that more than anything in the world because that is like the greatest parody of when a WWE gets re- released and has to get a dumb name like Kaz XL or some bullshit like that. That's all they're doing because they're fucking smart and I love them. Can't wait for the fucking reverters or whatever to show up in AEW, baby. Probably the mechanics. They'll probably go back to the mechanics. Yeah. Well, do I don't do they have that still? Does they does WWE still have that? I don't think they ever filed for it. Okay. I, I but really my big thing is like just seeing them have what they've wanted for a long time. It it's the same thing for when Brody Lee was released. Like he finally like okay, Luke Harper's gotten that long away to release. He's got to wait for his no compete, but he's like after just fumbling around for so long with nothing like they're another case of that. They were never really given much when they were. Connor, they were... Connor and Victor of the Ascension, when they were finally released and got to go do everything they've ever wanted to do on the Indies. I am happy. I kind of want them. If this was, if all things were equal, and if you know we weren't in the timeline we were in, I would love to see them show up for like a brief run in like New Japan or something. Just get like yeah. a, just have a chance to like cut their teeth. I know I, I, like, jokingly am his boy constantly. Connor in New Japan would be fucking big. He could be really, really big, I think. If he put in the work, put in the effort, he could probably kill it. Okay. Yeah. You do realize that he's the least talented of the two of them, right? (laughs) Oh, no, I've booked him like that. Like, (laughs) when I have to book him, I've always consciously booked Connor worse than Victor. Yeah. Um, but, like... Anyway, back to the revival. I, I'm just happy to see them finally getting back out. I know it's it's a it's gonna be a rough time. Uh, hopefully, they will get. Uh, I I really love to see them in AEW too. Um, but NWA would be good. Although I think some of the smaller, like your NWAs, they're probably not looking to get any new contracts right now. Oh um, yeah. But Tony Khan's got fuck money, so... Tony Khan's got all the fuck money in the world. Tony Khan has an undisclosed location where he's filming pro wrestling. (laughs) And so, uh, I just, I want to see more from the revival, and I'm just, I'm happy for them. You're you're gonna get it. We're we're finally gonna get it. We're gonna get the Bucks versus the revival. It's happening. It's gonna be, it's gonna be wonderful. Gonna get the, the revival versus, like, the best friends. Ah, shit, we do have to wait a month, though, because they've already got it all filmed. So, well, if they do find a way to do Double or Nothing, though, no better place for a debut for the Revival than there. Yeah, and I mean, but, you know, you get all those those great matches. You might get them versus, like, you know, Kenny Best and, friends. Uh, Kenny and, yeah, Kenny and, uh, and Adam. That's going to be, like, like... You remember, like, three, four years ago when Ring of Honor had the best tag team division on Earth? Yeah. Yeah, where that was like, that was their fucking bread and butter, was they just had all of it. I think the Young Bucks were like, yeah, this is how it should always be. And then that's what they started there. And I gotta admit, they have a point. I mean, I don't... tag team matches always have to happen because you got too many people. Yeah. But making it to where, like, there are stakes in it and you care. Because you can do so much with tag team wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, even looking back on Mania, some of my favorite Mania matches were tag team matches, like the TLC matches. Even, like, weird uh, shit like Ronda and uh, Kurt versus H and Stephanie. 
good fucking match. Tag team match. The beauty of a tag team match is this. You never have to have a moment in a tag team match, ladder or otherwise, where everyone is down. Or if you do, it's there for a very, very specific reason, and it's to show how much carnage has been caused. But the beauty of a tag team match is, oh, he's already been beaten down so bad, the audience doesn't want to lull other person comes in so it's it's you constantly have a rotation instead of having to have two people constantly keeping their wind and yeah i think and the revival's gonna be good <laughs> boy i don't know how to dismount anymore because we don't have jwf here anymore oh fuck what'd you guys learn this week uh holy shit i learned that man we're just getting through it together, and the best way to do it is just cinematic wrestling. And I learned that the newest, hottest tag team for AEW are going to be Dawson's Creek and Dax Shepard. Can't wait for the debut of those two boys. Of the Fix Boys. I wouldn't doubt, they could just call them FTR, and everyone's gonna know. So, uh, I learned that, uh, Scotty potentially, probably, uh, masturbates to cinematic wrestling and he's got he's got he's got freaking kurt angles wank cloth that he puts on and just he watches that glove he had for no reason that was you you remember that you were like oh that's that's somebody's leg that's a that's a jack off suck man what are you you doing i can't wait for uh kairi sane's baby face turn when she goes back to being a pirate and then they just get, she just has a cinematic match on a boat. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, KO was talking about, like, what he, her, his original plan was. If he, if. Oh, it was to find a way to jump off the Yeah, ship. he was like, yeah, I went there for, like, a game back in January, and I spent the entire time staring up at that boat trying to figure out how I could jump off of it. And he's like, I took pictures. <laughs> He's like, there it is. There's my dad down in the corner. All right, where can people find you guys on the internet? Uh, wherever, wherever books are sold. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon booksellers. Um, you can find me at Blake A. Tanner on the Twitter. You can find me at the Dark Vidya on YouTube. And every time we do a podcast here, whether it's a load of BS, Fight Boys, Deviant. Just whatever the fuck we do. How is it that we don't have the extra 20 minutes of JWF, and yet this is still the longest episode we've ever done? I'm going to take the blame entirely, and if you want to tweet your displeasure, you can to me on Twitter at ScottyMo, S-E-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O, and you can buy find all my books, apparently where Dylan is, or on Amazon. Just look up Scotty Moore, and you'll find all my stuff, including a book about me and Blake. And you can find all the other podcasts online at a load of purebs.com. Check out Deviant. It's about to have its season finale. We're wrapping everything up, and it's gotten absolutely buckwild. And Blake's in it, so you guys need to check that out. And... JWF Monday Night Ignition. If you're missing your JWF fix, it's not gone. It's just moved to a new home. So go subscribe to Monday Night Ignition. I'm the champ now, so you guys better fucking respect me and subscribe to Monday Night Ignition. Uh, special thanks to Mega Ran for our theme song, Fighters. Um, y'all can support Mega Ran. He's on his Patreon. Listen to his music. Um, also, I'll throw it out there. If you guys would prefer Dylan. You just like send your send your support money to Mega Ram, become a patron. Um 
Scotty, you match him, you become, y'all just become Mega Ram patrons. I've been man. his patron. Wait, can we just buy Mega Ran merch? <laughs> we just buy some merch from Mega Ran. And you, you know buy- what? I'm giving I'm giving y'all choices because I'm I'm sitting here high on the mountain. I know it's really it's really hard for y'all to hear me um from all the way up here on this mound of victory that I have that I built on the broken dreams of everybody in the world. I mean I mean the choices are donate to numerous people who need unemployment right now or a good good rapper in Arizona. And it's honestly kind of a tough pick. And if you guys want to support us, you can by donating to the Patreon or picking up some merch at merch.loadofpurebs.com. We got some really cool stuff up there, including shirts if you like JWF for all your favorite JWF wrestlers. So check those out and make sure to tell a friend to check out the fight boys and as always you could find us at a load of pure bs.com step up to the merch table at merch.loadofpurebs.com find us on facebook donate to the patreon subscribe on youtube and remember to follow us on twitter at fight boys show eo shirai because when you're a fight boy you're a fight boy for life